Welcome back to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Steven. I'm here, as always, with my friends Patrick. Hey. And Chris. Hello. And we are here today to discuss the OGN film, Roger Corman Presents Splatter. But before we get into it, we like to do a little catch-up, see what everybody's been watching. Anybody get up to some uh, Thanksgiving horror hijinks this year, perhaps? I've been very light on hijinks myself. I The, the only horror-related thing I've done since we last met was uh, read the new Junji Ito collection, Love Sickness, which was a mm, bit of a mixed bag. I mean, you all know I'm a huge Ito fan, but uh, nothing in there really stuck with me other Except. than yeah other than <laughs> the final story is called memories of real poop and oh uh, wait Ito, that that blows my mind that that's the conclusion uh, this is the only thing i yeah. know of this because patrick sent it to me and i thought it was satire yeah. at first so yeah like context for those who may not be familiar junji ito is known for writing truly inspired horror comics like he has just one of the most depraved and demented minds and is one of the most incredible visual stylists i've ever seen but he also you know as with so many people who create horrifying stories seems to be like a very uh just chill like well-balanced guy in his everyday life and occasionally also writes comics just about his cats and about you know very sort of mundane pleasant uh subjects and so this collection is all horror stories awful things happen to people people do terrible things to each other for 400 pages and then the final three pages of the collection is just this uh lightly comic memoir essentially three-page story i think it is about uh him finding a fake piece of poop at a carnival when he was a child and and how uh fascinated he was by this poop uh, the original title in japanese was a shit to remember uh, and I think it's the thing I'm going to remember most about that collection. Anyways. It's like Ray Bradbury. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, I went to a carnival as a kid, and, and yeah. this thing was I found to be indelible. It just happens to be a piece of shit. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Incredible. Exactly. So yeah, huh. can't can't necessarily strongly recommend Love Sickness in general unless you're an Ito diehard. But you know, if you want a, an interesting experience, I guess go <laughs> Google <laughs> Memories of Real Poop. Yeah, well, that is a recommendation to remember for sure. Uh, what do you have, Chris? Anything? <laughs> well, I, I got a haunted app. I, I downloaded a haunted app. Oh, it's called Rando Nautica, and it, it, it's is... not called. Uh, hopefully, it's not called Bedevil. <laughs> Wait, is it, no, is it, is it, is it like random junior Republicans wearing Nautica out and about? No, it okay. is. It gives you a random point on a map and invites you to just go check it out. And the reviews for this app, some of them were like, don't use this app. This is a cursed app. This app will take you to the scenes of crimes. This app will trick you into touching murder weapons so that you can be uh prosecuted this app is run by a cult don't fuck with this app 
So, of course, I fucked with the app, and it gives you just a random point, and you can walk to it, and so I walked to it at night, and um, it, it, it's it's supposed to be, a, uh, I guess, an exercise in uh, intentionality, and basically, you know, what are your intentions going on this walk, and then, you know, your mind and the universe will manifest something for you, and I was like, well, I want to see something fucking creepy. Um, I didn't see anything really creepy. I did see a cat that was looking at me that I decided was a demon. <laughs> um, so that was spooky. Is there a, and a s- you, you, you collect owl points as you, as you go on these adventures. Owl the points. app is, is buggier than our website. So you don't really get much <laughs> in, in practice. Wow. Is there a social component to this app? Can you, can you friend Mr. Bedeviled on there? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't, I haven't gotten that deep into it yet. Oh, but, uh, fascinating. Yeah, you know, you can search for you know anomalies, blind spots, either quantum or pseudo blind spots, and uh, you know. So if I if I disappear without a trace, and then you like find a picture of me in like an old photo, uh, it's probably because I went on a randonautica adventure. So Good to know. Check it out. I will absolutely. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> It's uh, it's kind of a way. It's I, the way I approached it was kind of like um, playing cockitis from from boys in the trees. <laughs> like we're gonna go for a walk and we're gonna we're gonna spook ourselves out a little bit. Very cool. I I have a yeah. couple of nerdy things. I mean, I have been watching a lot of horror, but nothing good. Um, I think I'm just kind of like filling holes in my um my my horror viewing um just stuff that you know titles that i feel like i've already seen the movie maybe just from the poster and everything i've heard about it but i should finally check it out um the first one was so the the vinegar syndrome halfway to black friday sale is happening right now i have to say there's nothing in it that really grabs me i don't think i'll be making a purchase halfway to black friday or not? No, halfway to Black Friday. It's the Black Friday sale. I'm sorry, the halfway to Black Friday sale. And stuff. <laughs> I thought, I, thought the... I went to a different uh, anomalous plane for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. That was I misspoke. The you went syndrome, to do a quantum, the quantum blind spot. <laughs> the quantum syndrome blind Black spot. Friday sale is going on. Nothing really grabbed me, but it did remind me to check out William Lustig's movie Creature. And this is a a poster that's always grabbed me. It's kind of spooky. It's got an alien on it, and sure enough, it is pretty much a beat-for-beat beat alien ripoff. I just ended up watching it on Tubi last night when I saw that they were putting this out. Um, very enjoyable. It's not extra, but if you if you like Alien and you'd like to see what somebody might do with it with less of a vision and a significantly smaller budget, it's a pretty good time. <laughs> uh, it's actually pretty inventive in a lot of places. Like It, it looks more expensive than it actually was. Uh, pretty fun. And I also watched another one that's kind of haunted me for years, um, Split second with Rucker Hauer. I remember as a kid seeing the VHS cover of this movie, and it's Rucker Hauer looking like he's in Blade Runner, and there's this gigantic alien, like Xenomorph, standing behind him. That's like, in my memory, twice as big as he is. And that's your movie. It is essentially Blade Runner beat for beat with the cheapest possible sets and Rucker Hauer going full method uh, while he's tracking down the serial killer that, spoiler alert from the poster, turns out to be an alien life form. And it's a blast. It's got a cool creature in it. I didn't see quite enough of it for my taste, but for, you know, a free movie on Tubi, what more can you ask for? That sounds great. Jay, you would like it, Chris, for sure. 
And I hope there's a little monologue at the end where the alien talks about all the things he's seen <laughs> in his life. There are some monologues, but I can't promise that. <laughs> and how it's all just lost like mucus in the rain. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so that, that's our horror catch-up, I guess. Now for the matter at hand. I'm sure you guys are chomping at the bit to discuss this week's movie. <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit to choose which one of us dies at the break. Uh, yeah we should let the audience uh choose that one um which i mean all right so first of all steven you have to explain yourself well (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah let's let's ask steven the question he always asks us why the fuck did you pick this because it is totally on brand for us it is the first ever netflix original movie uh it was a web series but it was it was their first experiment in huh we're shipping dvds all over the country it's getting kind of expensive what if we could get people to just watch some shit on their computer at home instead wow and oh really this is a netflix project yes yes netflix contacted roger corman and he as always was up for the unique challenge and decided to hire uh joe dante of you know gremlins and inner space fame to direct and i saw i had never heard of this i saw it it actually popped up as a recommendation on netflix i saw the netflix logo on it it looked like a piece of shit Corey feldman's in it you know friend of the show (laughs) and i just had to how how can you not how can you not choose splatter well, it's, I, it's I had no idea it was the original end film. I always thought that was that, um, what's the movie with uh, Idris Elba, Beasts, Beasts of No Nation. I always thought that was their first. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't looked back at the history, but this was their first experiment. And I think there was some, they probably did some other weird shit like this along the way that nobody remembers. I didn't bother to do any research. Um but fascinating concept nonetheless. And, and uh, so this this movie stars Corey Feldman as either himself or Johnny Depp, maybe a combination of both. Uh, he has committed suicide, but before doing so has recorded uh, kind of his own eulogy. And he's invited his, uh, what is it, five of his closest confidants or frenemies to awake and uh, has set up kind of a diabolical game for them. He's out for revenge. All of these people turned out to have crossed him in pretty significant ways throughout his life and career. Yeah, and I was out for revenge on you, Stephen, <laughs> until this morning because you told us that this was going to be a choose-your-own-adventure. Well, let me. Um, le- I knew you were going to bring this up, and let me let me do a little. That's uh, how it was originally released. That's how it was. So I didn't want to read too much about this before selecting it. I didn't want it spoiled, and it is built. Even the poster on Netflix, the key art says like "You choose who dies" or something like that. So I thought, you know, maybe this is like an early attempt at a Bandersnatch sort of thing, like black mirror where you get to kind of click through and make decisions throughout that is not what netflix gives us i think they well they ro- robbed roger corman and joe dante of their true vision with this release well i don't i don't know the history but you sent us today uh, the like the original website where you can watch the yeah. web series in an episodic fashion and you do get the choice on that website to choose who dies yeah so i guess this was a primitive experiment you know and, and maybe maybe by netflix and and they were like all right this is how we're going to do it before you know there was the netflix app and all that stuff um but in its form that exists on netflix it's basically there's no choices they've made the choices for you basically mm-hmm. um so if you watch this on netflix and you enjoy it you can go to the website and i'm, I'm sure we'll put that in our our show notes 
and you can kind of see uh, basically alternate scenes. Um, it doesn't change the story at all, mm-hmm. but you know you can change the order of the scenes, and you can you can ch- change who's alive at, d- at different points in the movie and, and, and who survives at the end. Um, that said, I think based on the limited amount of clicking around I did on that website, I think they made a pretty good decision about how the definitive storyline that would end up on Netflix actually uh, should be. It's more coherent than the version that I watched. I did one click through and and the version right. on Netflix makes a lot more sense because you get the same ending either way. It's just a lot more convoluted when you have to like w- when the element of choice comes into play and they have to jumble the footage around to make sense of that. You get the same ending and you get the same dialogue and that dialogue makes more sense for the character that survives right. in the version that's on Netflix than for some of the other characters. This really is OG Netflix content because it came out in 09 and I think the first like notable thing that they did after that was Hemlock Grove which came out in 2013. So this like preceded I mean, it preceded Beasts of No Nation by six years. It preceded like Orange is the New Black by a few years. It feels very experimental. And it, 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 the whole feel of the movie reminded me of like a 48-hour film competition. Oh, I can um, totally see that. Yeah. 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 Where it's like, okay, they hired Joe Dante, but they f- didn't give him like a gaffer. <laughs> they didn't give him a focus puller. <laughs> they didn't give him anything that well, you would need to actually make a movie. <laughs> to read the Wikipedia, you would think he didn't even get a script. He said something like, I don't really remember how it all fits together because it was, it was unclear from the start or something like that. So he's he's like completely blind throughout all of production on this thing from everything mm-hmm. I can tell. <laughs> that explains um, a lot. I, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, you know, I've, I've entered one and, and paid attention to several other uh, 48 hour horror film competitions. And you always have several movies where it's like, all right, we got one guy on our crew who does special effects makeup and we're going to basically just make this little 20 minute or eight minute movie as a showcase for like the gnarly thing that this guy can make and then kind of, you know, weave a story into it. And that's kind of what this felt like to me. It felt like, all right, so we're experimenting, I guess, with this Netflix new internet distribution model, but we're also just like, okay, it's called splatter and, and maybe they're trying to do a homage to, you know, splatter films or something, but they have characters and there's not a lot of story. It's just like, Hey, want to see this guy get liquefied? Want to see this girl get liquefied? <laughs> Here they are. <laughs> um, and if Wait. you're into that, uh, you probably will be pleased with the, with the special effects at least. Chris, really? is there a way, is there a way that we can link the, the, the listening audience to our 48 hour film? Oh yeah, we we can do that. We can, oh, yes. um, yeah, yeah. Patrick, Patrick, and I compete in the forty-eight hour horror film project in Detroit one year. Um, yeah, and 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 we made a little little movie. Um, it it wasn't perfectly executed, but you know, it was it was fun. Well, to I make. mean, what that you make in forty-eight hours is. Well, I I won two uh, 48-hour film competitions in college with, with movies that still hold up. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe oh, so you're saying obituary too. doesn't hold up? Uh, not, not, to, not as well as, um, as Demon Gate and Mind Changers, my, my other two from college, which, which won. I won those competitions, yeah. and then uh, we didn't win anything for, my, for, uh, for Obituary. I don't think I've seen Obituary or the other two films you're talking about. What? I'm kind of shocked. All right. 
All right. Well, I we're feel gonna... like you've definitely seen Demon Gator Mind Changers. I feel like we've talked about those before, but I, I don't remember if you've seen Obituary. Obituary. We're I mean, put it, links to all these in the show notes, and y'all can watch them. Obituary the little film festival. Obituary is not like necessarily great narratively, but I'm proud of a bunch of like little things that we did with it. You know. Oh, me too. And like me shooting too. in the funeral home, that was cool. You know, I, I I'm yeah. proud of what we did with 48 Hours for that. <laughs> It was yeah, fun. it was it was a fun experience, and there's some there's some shots and, and sequences that I'm really proud of. Um, and yeah. and at the time, and maybe to this day, it represented some of the best uh, work that I had done, especially in the in the look of it. Um, yeah. Although the move the the library movie that we we half made um, would have mm. been better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> but yeah, apparently this movie to get back to this movie to splatter was shot over seven days, which. <laughs> Well, I, I okay, so I guess there are a bunch of multiple alternate endings. Seven days seems like a lot to spend on shooting what I watched. <laughs> well, it's it, I think yeah. it's a little more complicated than that, and I can't get... I, I watched a couple of interviews with Corey Feldman and Roger Corman about this, this movie. Like, I can't believe they actually did press for this thing. And it sounds like they shot most of it. Then they had to wait for the votes to come in on who the audience most wanted to die, after the first episode, but they'd already shot most of the death. Like they shot the death of every character ahead of time, but then they had to like, after the votes came in, they had to shoot some interstitial stuff to tie it together to create the, the narrative that the audience was clamoring for. Mm. And I don't know how that works. Exactly. It it sounds a little, little murky from, from every interview I've heard, Mm -hmm. but effectively. Yeah. I mean, basically they didn't spend more than a week on it total. Yeah. Hmm. And it feels like mm. it. Like it looks. How would you guys describe the look of this? Like I thought it was very much like an episode, like an early episode of The Bachelor or something. Like even with the lighting and the camera movement, The Bachelor is is way better shot. I, I have said no frame early. of reference for that. I've never seen early Bachelor. I don't know. It's just very lurid. It's very like bright, colorful. I don't know. It looks very very poppy. It's like it's got like Joel Schumacher energy almost. That's very kind. I thought it looked like a cheap imitation of reality TV, and it does seem like that's sort of the concept, I guess. Uh, that hmm. it, that, it, that it, I thought it seemed to be playing uh, playing a little bit of fun with re- reality TV tropes, you know, bringing these five characters together with the guy on the TV, giving them uh, kind of the rundown of why they're there. I don't know. I mean, that's a way to look at it. That It, it didn't make me think of that. It, like I said, it just made me feel like 48-hour film project. Like, you know, we, we're shooting this on a handheld video camera, and you well, get what you get. We're saying yeah, the same thing. It looks cheap as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looked, it looked cinematic to me. It just looked like a very low-budget cinematic to me. Yeah, so let's talk about this cast of characters that uh, Johnny Splatter has assembled for this this night of bloodshed. So we've got uh, Stuart Pankin wearing enormous pants as his psychiatrist, who apparently gave him electroshock therapy so he could control his mind. <laughs> um, yep. Tony Todd. Who was Tony Todd again? What was his he role? Played his the manager. manager. The yeah. manager. Um, we've got a very, very kind of douchey, like L.A. street magician-looking guy who plays his uh, former lead guitarist. There's yeah. a groupie who I don't remember really being explained at all. She seems to be there to make references to famous people she's hung out with or slept with, including Johnny Splatter. She's the true love, or she, so she thinks, of Johnny Splatter. Well, and then we also have uh, 
Cruel, <laughs> his his former co-songwriter who stole... Co-songwriter who I think, were they like married at one point too? I don't know if it gets that deep. If it does, okay. I missed it. But but she apparently stole the sickest song he ever wrote and made a hit out of it. So that's, that's why right. he is out for revenge against her. I want to hear that song, by the way. <laughs> It's a bunch of it's a bunch of ciphers, bunch, bunch of, of deplorables. Uh, yeah, a basket of deplorables for sure. <laughs> so what we're seeing is a composite of three episodes, three like ten-ish minute episodes of this thing. So the first part, there are characters who are going to die no matter what. Yeah. The first of which is Stuart Pankin. Uh, who uh, their phones get jammed, which I've never heard anyone <laughs> use that term before, and they use it like three to five times. Yes. Their phones get jammed. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the the house uh, has like metal shutters. Uh, it's like a it's like a you know Arthur Lee's like oh wait further instructions. Exactly. Yes, and uh, the shutters come down. They can't get out. Their phones are jammed, meaning they don't have service or something. But Stuart Penkin bought johnny splatter an old-fashioned phone booth as a gift for making a hit record or something and proceeds to get electrocuted very graphically and kind at, of length. at length with very cheap fake lightning bolts inside the phone booth uh, but some pretty a, cool makeup well, actually yes. there's some the nice budget. oozing going pretty, on yeah, yeah some good oozy makeup oh yeah he 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 gets liquefied yeah, so his plan was to call a cab. Uh, he thought that'd be the easy way out, and it, it didn't go so well for him. No, and and then uh, I think the the co songwriter also always dies, right? Yes. Yeah, be, and these are the two people where 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 Johnny Splatter or whatever he calls them out at the beginning, and he's like, "All right, so the five of you are here. You two, like, you get nothing from my estate because you're horrible people, and here's my grievances with you." And then they die, and then from there, if you're on the website, you get the choice to decide what who what happens next to the to the three remaining characters and which one's going to survive. Well, what's weird about that is. And I mean, shoot me if I'm remembering this incorrectly, but he introduces three of the five people and then he says, the rest of you get nothing but stick around. It's like, well, it's, it sounds odd to say the rest of you when there's only two others. And like, why not just introduce them? It would take 30 seconds for each of them. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. very bizarrely written. <laughs> yeah. And like, and you think you like, want uh, to know about everybody right out the gate because you're going to be making choices about whether or not they live or die, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. And you're only going to be spending a half hour with them regardless. <laughs> like time is, time is short. Time's yeah. tight. And then he turn well. Then he turns out to have like secret reasons for hating the other people too, mm-hmm. except for his former girlfriend, which I guess we can talk about later. But I that was that seemed a little tacked on to me. But well, I don't know, whatever. I mean, this this isn't. We're not winning any awards on on story for on this this movie. It's called Splatter. You either want to see people get splattered or you don't. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, all there yeah. is to it. Well, we've basically reached the end of episode. I mean, we, we we just said who died. We've we've reached the end of episode one. We get Corey Feldman looking directly at the camera, saying, "Who's next?" Oh and yeah, then- Corey Feldman like recorded his entire part for this on Zoom. Like Corey Feldman was, <laughs> you know, tw- twelve years ahead of our current experience. Bleeding a a edge, Renaissance man. Edge. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me pose this question to you guys then. Um, if you were playing along when this first came out, who would you want to see die next after that first installment? 
who would you choose? You're given the the, the other three names. Um, I, I would have chosen the 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 guitar bro. Me too. That's who yeah. I chose when I clicked through it. I fucking hate that guy. Wait, yeah, wait. Who do we? Who are we left with? Guitar bro, Tony Todd, and um, groupie, former oh, yeah. true lover. Yeah, I mean, what's the, the, what's yeah, guitar bro, guitar bro. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. And around this time his his coffin johnny's coffin collapses and it's revealed there's no body inside and there is this book that has uh (laughs) like exotic african spells written in it and the the book is um it looks like somebody like just wrote it with like sharpie i don't know if any of these symbols are have have any grounding in reality but the way they talk about like its african origin is uh pretty cringy it's pretty hilarious. It looks like one of those like leather-bound, um, kind of embossed uh, journals that you can get from Barnes and Noble, and they yeah. only filled out two pages of it, yep. and yep. then just like took scissors to the rest to make it look old and beat up. Yep, <laughs> it's like one of the cheapest props I've ever seen. Yeah, and, and like some of the 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 words, the like the magic words, the magical African words that they say in this are also pretty hilariously. Uh, mm-hmm concocted one can only say they've been concocted because i don't think they have any basis in reality <laughs> god <no. laughs> i don't know you know what maybe i'm maybe about. i'm completely full of shit maybe they actually did consult with someone to to use real words from an african language but i doubt it i mean they should hire someone to do the lights before they do that yeah (laughs) (laughs) you gotta you gotta prioritize here it is weird because like they're you know i mean like tony todd Corey feldman joe dante are all you know not a-listers or whatever but i mean those are like names uh and it's it's just interesting that they were able to attract a certain caliber of talent to this but also just clearly didn't have the budget for a lot of other things it i mean as someone who's watched a lot of latter day roger corman um camel spiders is one of my favorites that was like one of the first movies to come out at a red box uh (laughs) when those became a thing and um it's it's you know it's on par with what i would expect from him this late in his career i mean not that he's ever been known for quality to begin with i honestly think for a thing shot in seven days that sounded like everyone who was making it was deeply confused. It's better than it should be. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Probably. Um, I was, I was thinking about that though, because like Tony Todd seems like a big star if you're in the horror genre, but he's, he's really not, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, that's what I said. Like, they're not A-list, but also, like, right. if you and I were finishing our movie, like, we couldn't just, like, dial up Tony Todd and be like, hey, bro, can we pay you, you know, 150 bucks a day to work on our movie, you know? Probably not. No, <laughs> maybe you could probably maybe, get, maybe like... 200. <laughs> you could get, like, Bill Mosley for that price, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's just the, you know, that's the interesting thing about the horror genre. You know, you kind of have horror royalty, um, and they're all no-name actors. What what do you yeah. guys think, what do you think D. Wallace's per diem is when she's working on an indie, like, direct-to-DVD, direct-to-streaming movie that costs, like, you know, a quarter of a million dollars? What do you know, What do you man. think is her limit? Or is it cruel to speculate? It probably is. $2,500. A day? <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, oh, you mean like her actual rate? You don't mean per diem in like the sense of like a normal per diem where you're talking about just like money you get to spend on whatever. No, no, no. Like what would she, because like these actors are all like, they're basically like, okay, we're shooting this movie for 14 days, but we can afford D Wallace for one and a half. So mm. I, I'm wondering what her rate would be. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Coincidentally, so the Faculty of Horror, the podcast we love to talk about, just did an episode on Saw. And mm-hmm. they were they were talking about the uh, you know creation of of Saw and kind of how that came together as a as a low budget independent film. And I I guess they shot that in a ridiculously short amount of time. But they only had Danny Glover, who's like you know obviously the biggest name star of of Saw. They only had him on set for like a couple days or something because that's what they could afford. And according to the Faculty of Horror, the the shooting schedule and the lack of budget meant that they did not get all the coverage they needed for a lot of sequences. And that is what created the really like frantic editing that you see <laughs> in a lot of scenes and oh, saw or like the wow. camera's just shaking and it's jump cutting between everything. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a, kind of a cool thing. Interesting. Uh, I can tell you that, um, uh, Tony Todd negotiated a bonus of a thousand dollars every time he was stung making Candyman. Really? Yeah, and he he was stung twenty three times. Wow! Oh. <laughs> I would love to make twenty three thousand dollars getting stung by bees. That's amazing. Yeah, me too. I got stung. I got stung by bees twenty three times at work last summer, and I got paid nothing. <laughs> need to need to negotiate. I know. I was I was um, recording a, a, a doing a virtual field trip video project with a beekeeper, and it all went well. But then I don't know. I got too close to the hive, and and one stung me. And I it was really scary because I guess when bees sting you, they like tag you with pheromones that make all the other bees want to sting you. And so I was like running. I was running away from the beehive. I was trying to stay cool and walk walk briskly but carefully away from the beehive but they were on my head and they were not leaving and they kept stinging and i was like all right and so then i started running and they kept up with me and they kept stinging and i got stung all over my ear all over my head and then i went you know I, after i had recovered i was like all right i'm gonna go back and get my camera equipment etc i walked back gave the beehives a wide berth and like within 30 feet of the beehive they just swarmed back and started stinging because they were still <laughs> Fucking tagged with the pheromones. Oh Crazy. God. That now that's a horror story. Yeah, that's when I discovered the power of pheromones, and that's why I ordered uh, unnatural uh, uh, shark synthetic testosterone supplements to attract women. Wow. <laughs> That really is a horror story. This yeah. summer, I was having drinks outside with friends, and I I took a sip of my wine, felt something in my mouth. Immediately, Ugh. immediately spit out. It was a fucking yellow jacket, and it just tagged me ever so slightly on the tip of my tongue as it was leaving. Oh, did it? Oh, and that's it, my nightmare. It didn't How do you recover from that. It didn't end up being excruciating. I felt a kind of numbing, and then a little sting of pain, and then after about five minutes, it was gone. Like I must have just spit. Did my spit take at the exact right moment before he could really wow. get a sting? Wow. That was fucking horrifying, though. I feel like wish I like got a thousand dollars for that. I feel like having venom on on the tongue would would you know I don't know maybe make you hallucinate or something. God, I wish like Mandy. <laughs> yeah, I don't, what happens in Mandy? 
Oh man, it's like I've seen Mandy, but I don't remember. You don't remember when he when he first gets kind of like uh, uh, kidnapped at the compound, and they tie him up, and they pull that enormous like eight inch long wasp out of a jar and oh, have it sting yes. him in the neck. Oh yes, Ugh. oh yes, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. I still have <laughs> nightmares about that. I would charge two thousand dollars to get stung by that wasp. Oh, give me the full 23. I mean, that thing was <laughs> <massive>. <laughs> Also, I just want to uh, register that we've now been talking about this movie for longer than the movie actually runs. <laughs> and really, we've barely been talking about the movie, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> which is fine. Um, another thought about Tony Todd. Tony Todd is at very active on Cameo. The website where you can go and record oh, D-list celebrities Tony talking Todd. to you. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he's living a fucking great life. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. He records these cameos, and he's, like, on his patio by his pool wearing, like, a like a floral print shirt, like, halfway buttoned up and, like, a, a, a necklace. And, and a fedora, like, a, like, cocked to the a, side. Yeah, got a glass of liquor, and he's like, hey, Patrick, it's your birthday. Make it a great birthday and he he just has a really warm affect he seems like a really nice guy dude cameo is so fascinating to me like has anything honestly better ever happened for a certain tier of celebrity than cameo because you don't have to leave your house you don't have to go to a fucking convention you set the price you control the duration of the interaction so you don't have any weird thing where like somebody won't stop talking to you or asking you stupid questions you don't have to look at the person in the eyes <laughs> like yeah. amazing and you make you know what fifty dollars up to i think some of them go for like a thousand dollars or more right yeah. like yeah what a what a great what a great invention honestly for people on both sides of the equation but especially for the stars like i that just i i like my dream is to become well known enough in some respect that I can just sit in my living room and bang out a few cameos and make, you know, $2,000. Well, this begs the question. Well, yeah, like, you're going to have to get famous, famous for that. Yeah. I, say, I, don't, think pod- if you're- I don't think a podcast is going to cut it. Yeah. yeah. You might have to like, like become like infamous. You might have to like assassinate somebody and then get let out, um, <laughs> let out on reason of mental uh, illness. Oh my god! Yeah, I'll I'll get right on that. <laughs> well, the existence of cameo. Now that we're talking about it, makes me think of how that might affect the landscape of like comic and horror convention guests. Like yeah. I feel like there, I feel like there, there are some people, some types of celebrities who maybe have kind of uh leveled up because of cameo and they don't need to hit the road so much malcolm mcdowell is apparently not one of those people (laughs) like that man like has a whole cottage industry of having hundreds of photos from his films reprinted so he can sit all day and sign them Um, well it's funny because when i when i think of malcolm mcdowell as as someone who like like i admit i have not seen a clockwork orange um, and I have not seen a lot of Malcolm McDowell movies. The first thing I think of when I think of Malcolm McDowell is Dr. Loomis and Rob Zombie's Halloween <laughs> and Rob Zombie's Halloween too. And if you remember, I think in Halloween two, he becomes just like a sellout. <laughs> like he has yeah. a book and he's just doing the convention circuit and doing book signings. That's stuff. right. Yeah. <laughs> and so whenever I see Malcolm McDowell at these conventions, it's like life imitates art. And I do mean art. <laughs> Listen, well, speaking about, of art, should we let's review this thing and then talk about all the other deaths? How about that? 
Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I'll go first since I chose it. Um and I and I'm itching to get down to that spoiler room. Uh this is a this is a heavy screw it. I mean, this thing is just a, mm. a complete mess. I I can't even recommend watching like the original experience on Joe Dante's website trailersfromhell.com because it's just really not that novel anymore and it doesn't yeah even at at just under 30 minutes for the whole experience it's just it's bad it's bad it barely even entertains i don't even know what to say man fuck me screw it patrick <laughs> <laughs> i will give it a cue it i obviously was not a big fan i laughed when it was over and was like wow did I just watch that? But, you know, in in kind of the, the classic way that I weigh these ratings is, you know, if you've gotten to this point of listening to us talk about it and you're like, hmm, should I check that out? Like, yeah, go check it out. It's only 30 minutes long. It's very weird. You've never seen anything like it, I guess I want to say. It's strange that it exists as some, like, cultural artifact of early, early netflix original content it's an interesting exercise but certainly couldn't give it any kind of a strong recommendation chris so i was very tempted to give this a uh, oh, cue it because i think there's an audience for this movie and it's only 25 minutes so if you like seeing people get liquefied and you're all right with the camp and you want to see these cult actors doing their thing 25 minutes you're in and out i think there's people who are really going to appreciate it but that said this is not they're they're not giving the rating i'm giving the rating and for me it's a <laughs> screw it because i just did not have a good time with this at all it, 25 minutes felt too long uh and personally i would i would much rather spend 25 minutes watching like any given tales from the crypt episode or something which would probably be better if you want to decide who lives i I, if you're gonna watch it you might want to do the do the online thing and choose who lives and dies and if if you think you'll have fun with that um but if you're if you're into that sort of thing just get yourself a playstation (laughs) play heavy rain (laughs) you'll have a much better time (laughs) so screw it all right well let's go down to the the spoiler compound and um uh, pl- uh, I don't know. I don't have a joke. I don't have a segue. Let's go play with Corey Feldman's guitars. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's do, let's some, do that. Some, some six shredding down there. Just, Patrick, just, do you have any promotional messages for us before we go down there? I, I was going to say we, we have to be careful of what pedals we use while we're down there playing with the guitars. because oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, you know, you'll find out how all that goes when you join us in the spoiler room. But before that, uh, we'll give you the usual uh, plea to visit our broken website everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com check out our merch store you can buy t-shirts and other such uh goods and sundry with every horror movie on netflix art on them you can see the list of every movie that we've ever reviewed and what we rated it in case you're trying to find out something new to watch or avoid on netflix Follow us on your social media at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love to uh, hear from you out there and talk to you, interact with you, see your, your loves, your likes, your shares, your follows, your retweets. And subscribe to us on your podcast provider of choice. And leave us a rating or a review because it helps people find the show. That's all. Well said. Thank you. Okay, bye!
All right, so we're down here in Corey Feldman's basement because there's no place else to go. He's bolted the doors. He's he's battened down the hatches. We're here to spoil the remainder of Splatter. Spoiler alert. Splatter. Per, you know, it kind of doesn't matter who you choose if you if you go with the original experience. Everybody dies. Well, not quite everybody. There's all there's a, there's a sole survivor. There's a sole survivor, and in in this movie that's on Netflix, it's Tony Todd, which I agree with that decision because Tony Tony Todd is cool, and he's I, I think the only one of the the three that we've seen in anything else before. Mm. Um, and his character kind of fits nicely with how it ends more so than the others, but. I agree. Chris, Before, what ending did you get on the when you did the OG, the trailers from hell version? I got um Fiona. Yeah, living. me too. Yeah, because because I wanted to see the Tony Todd death scene that's not in Netflix and it's underwhelming. So that for that reason alone they could have cut, you know, they, they could have had Tony Todd survive cuz his, his death in the uh, he gets invited into the coffin mm-hmm. and he's like, <laughs> "You know I'm claustrophobic." And then he gets in the coffin and then poison gas comes in the coffin. How do you get what does that mean? He gets invited into the coffin. The, the Zoom call, Corey Feldman is like, if you get into the coffin you're, for two minutes, I'll give you $2 million because oh. I know you have gambling debts. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And then Corey like, Feldman's on a little yeah. screen inside the coffin talking to him. <laughs> but then but he gets like, It's like a breakout room. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yeah. Um, but we should say that Corey Feldman actually lives. Johnny, Johnny Splatter is, is actually on the premises as a reanimated uh zombie splatter man (laughs) so so he 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 splatters several of the people personally you know (laughs) he he slits throats and uh, actually you know what this might be problematic (laughs) problematic he only kills kills two people hands on doesn't he he only kills two people hands on yeah and it's it's the two women Mm. Well, in the ending that you and I, I, we must have gotten the same ending, Chris. So he, so cruel is still alive in the ending I got, even though her throat is slit. She's reanimated. She's reanimated. She doesn't look as sort of ghastly as Corey Feldman does, but she's reanimated. And uh, the reason is he needs a bass player, right? Because he's going to, but, but, but one of her fingers has already been cut off. But that's the joke. She only needs two fingers to play the bass, and he cuts off her like ring oh, finger or something. Oh, <laughs> shows what I know about bass. <laughs> Gotta not, get that. Not much of a bassman, are you? Not an axe well, murderer. Is it the right hand? I don't know. Uh, so, but basically, what happens here? You got your three people. You got you got the lead guitar bro. He decides um, he is willed, I think, a guitar, but it's like a little toy guitar. And he's like, nah, fuck this. And he smashes it. And then he this goes is, down I think, the- my favorite death, I should say. Oh, also. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He, he goes down to the basement where, the, where, where Johnny splatters half a million dollar appraised Sotheby's guitar is in a glass case. And he's like, no, I'm going to take this guitar. And he just decides to have a little jam session in the basement. But then the, the audio board, the, the phantom, the phantom audio board, talk about phantom power fucking <laughs> turns on and gets so loud that it just like, it kills him. He gets, it gets killed very loud. Indeed. <laughs> it gets very loud. Indeed. I love this scene. I was, I was watching it with a friend and 
we were both like, wait, how is he going to die? Because they can't kill two people by electrocution. And that seems like the obvious way to go. And he, you know, there's lots of like close up shots of him, you know, plugging the cord in and playing the guitar and the, the amp, you know, like close ups on the amp and everything. And I thought, okay, mm-hmm. well, maybe the amp's going to blow up and kill him or something. But no, he, mm-hmm. he gets, uh, he looks like the cover of that, um, that butthole surfers album with the pencil going into the ear and the blood pouring out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then Fiona's death scene. I did not like she, she uh, gets invited to a bedroom and, and she thinks that they're going to reconcile their true love. Zombie Johnny splatter comes out and he's like, I'm going to give you what you want the most relief or something. And he, he tears her be still beating heart out of her body and mm-hmm. she dies as it, it kind of didn't make a lot of sense for me i think maybe the implication is that she's an addict of some sort because she goes into the medicine cabinet and starts starts stealing pills stuffing pills um, into her bra which I thought yeah was, that was like, she concealed them very well too i wouldn't have noticed yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we didn't that. talk about and, the cd slashing i like that actually that was kind of oh, a, yeah. a yeah. stupid i you know i i like when I see something stupid, but I've never seen it anywhere else. And I have to give some credit for that. You know, I've been, I don't think I've ever seen someone's throat get slashed with a compact disc. So good job. Oh, well, well you need not- to see Hellraiser three because one of the Cenobites, one of the Cenobites is, is known. I don't know if it's his actual credit or not, but he's known as CD man. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's, shit, that, dude, that's, that's me. I'm the fucking CD. You man. are. You are. <laughs> <laughs> fucking love CDs. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like a broken CD or anything. It's just the edge of a CD, which I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, it's it, that's kind of makes it funnier. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just the normal like perfectly round edge of a CD, lethal weapon. Yeah. Um and then and th- th- those are your deaths basically and then at the end Tony Todd's still alive and he decides he's going to uh, take a look at that voodoo book again and, and he decides oh if i cut off body parts from all the other victims and i see an incantation i can lift the curse or something i don't i don't understand it i don't understand it but long story short zombie johnny short story short <laughs> yeah short story <laughs> short, short story shorter <laughs> tony tide cuts a deal and says look you know what you're gonna have a comeback as a zombie rocker and i'm gonna be your manager and there's a good line about how he says, I'm dead. And he says, haven't you seen the stones live? Yeah. <laughs> but that same joke is made by someone else. I think um, Fiona in right. in the other version that we saw. So they do so use a lot thing. of the same dialogue, regardless well, whole, of who whole, survives. Yeah. The whole, all the dialogue in that, that sequence was the same. And so that bothered me because Tony, Todd, it makes sense for Tony Todd to make this deal because he's a manager. He's Johnny's manager. Yeah. You know, it makes a lot less sense for Fiona, the girlfriend who just wants to be back in love with Johnny Splatter, to be like, hey, I could be your manager, you know, so. Yeah, she doesn't have any kind of. That's why I that's why I like the choice to put Tony Todd in the definitive version. Well, and Fiona doesn't have any industry clout except that she hung out with Prince one time. (laughs) Right. right. Oh, yeah, Yeah. that was funny. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's your movie. That's your movie. That's your movie. (laughs) You know, you were talking uh, about um, Tales from the Crypt earlier. Like, I'll Google this later, but, like, I can almost guarantee you. So, the writer of this was um, 
Richard Christian Matheson, who is the son of Richard Matheson, the very famous science fiction horror writer, oh, wrote man, a lot of the original. A, that's a shadow. That's a shadow to live in. When <laughs> yeah, but he wrote a ton of like amazing stories and uh, like eighties Twilight Zone, I think, and maybe really? even Tales from the Crypt. I bet you there is something else directed by Joe Dante, written by Richard Christian Matheson, that is much more satisfying than this. Probably even at the same length. I was really disappointing to see those two paired together and come up with something that is just so, like, lured and undercooked and... Yeah, but, I mean, it's just, again, this, they're just fucking around. They're just they're just people fucking around. Yeah, it's an experiment. It's an experiment. It's an experiment. Is what it is. There, no, one, no one here is trying to, trying to win an Oscar or even, even... I mean, I don't even think they're trying to make anything good as much as make something that's passable and, and plays with a new format in a fun way. Yeah. Well, let me yeah, drop I mean, this I th- on you. I was watching an interview, as I mentioned before, with Roger Corman and Corey Feldman, and they had envisioned this as a franchise. Like, before it even dropped, they were already talking about this could be, we could do multiple of these, we could do a different, like, a different kind of series, there could be a movie in this, like, Johnny Splatter is this iconic character that we've created, and they really seem to think that there was a legacy for him, so I don't think they were just fucking around. I don't know, I mean, I think they Art took the this very seriously. Can, can carry a franchise, why not? Yeah, I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, I think that's where, like, some of my cue it comes from, is just, like, I, it wasn't good, but it is you know it's an experiment it's trying to do something different and you know if you're interested in seeing that experiment and how it plays out which is not extraordinarily well it's interesting in that sense i don't know the the whole like choose your own adventure format is so interesting to me because i've i've we've seen multiple takes on that at this point you know there's bandersnatch and um, i just think of i forget the name of it but there was a local choose your own adventure film that i I All right. reported on. Yeah, do you remember that? Chris? Made by 48-Hour Film Project alumni. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that in the theater. I don't know. It's it's just such a... I love the concept of Choose Your Own Adventure. Like, I loved reading Choose Your Own Adventure books when I was a kid, but I think it's just so hard to do in a film format and to do well because you're just, you're just naturally going to have stuff that feels unfinished and and unsatisfying although i don't know i don't know i it's hard for me to form a coherent thought on the on the choose your own adventure thing it just it is really hard to to do and have it be a satisfying experience in the end for the audience i think is that's that's my that's my thought on it we need to bring back the era of um full motion video computer games okay this made me think of another Amon movie that we did quite some time ago, Beyond the Gates. I thought about like, oh, this reminds me of those old, I probably only ever played one in my life, but those old VHS board games, you know, where you got, there's like a story going out on uh, on the screen on your TV, there's somebody talking at you, you know, urging you to make decisions to keep the game going along, and like, you know, there's multiple... Like alternate scenes and alternate endings, and you have to like fast forward to where you're supposed to be based on the choices you make. It felt very mm-hmm. primitive in that way. Unlike Bandersnatch, which I thought was fantastic, except that it seems like no matter what you do in these sorts of things, you get stuck making a decision you wish you wouldn't have made, and then that that's just <laughs> it. You're fucked for the rest of the thing. Well, except with Bandersnatch, and this is a thing that I appreciate but also frustrates me about Bandersnatch, is that once you hit an ending, it does offer you those choices yeah. to go back and remake those crucial decisions, which 
I like because it it gives you that chance to to see what the alternate path is. You know, that path where it's like, oh, God damn it, I pushed the wrong button and I wish I hadn't killed my dad or whatever. Um, but also kind of frustrating because you can just, there, there's no sense of like a definitive ending. It's just you can spend another half hour or two hours r- going down every fucking rabbit hole, which is in a way satisfying, but also just makes all the endings less powerful because you've seen them all and, and no one has any specific weight to it, I guess. But that, that's how choose your own adventure books are. And you know, no, that's I mean, true. I, yeah. I've read very few of the proper choose your own adventure books, but I read the, the choose your own goosebumps books. I, I read those religiously and yeah. And, and, and the thing that they always do is they put, you know, cheap shit in there. Like it's like, Oh, you know, you're a six year old boy and there's a, there's a 400 pound ogre bearing down on you with an ax to run from the ogre go to page 70 to try to fight the ogre go to page 12 and it's like well of course i'm gonna fucking run but then it's like you choose to run and it's like oh but you you slipped on your (laughs) untied two shoelaces and now it's the end he killed you but and if you try to fight him it's like he raises his axe and then you know there's a deus ex machina where he doesn't (laughs) actually kill you with the axe or something and so yeah there's there's always a lot of page flipping back and forth and be like well god damn all right let's redo that and then you know you read the whole thing and then you you go back to it it's it's like it's like a video game if you don't have any power in your your house or you're on a car ride and you don't have a game boy yeah that's all good yeah i mean it sets you up for a specific kind of experience it it, the choose your own adventure format has a unique kind of fun to it but it can be very difficult to structure an emotionally narratively satisfying story i mean like heavy rain is sort of a good example because it's fun all the endings are pretty compelling from what i've read um except for the one you got (laughs) except for the fucking one i got yeah um but also still even within that like there's still just stuff that feels a little disjointed where you know different chunks of different timelines fit together in awkward ways sometimes you know i mean it's almost like if you want to tell a single compelling narrative you should just tell the single compelling narrative and not fuck around with all these multiple branching timelines but they're two different things made for two different types of experiences compelling narrative yeah well i'm all about experimentation in storytelling you know some of my favorite books are you know complicated require multiple bookmarks have multiple entry points um and and that can be fun and rewarding when it's done well and when it's done with purpose uh but this very much feels like something that was sort of like it happened probably went into production very quickly you know without without a lot of forethought and they didn't they didn't need a lot of forethought because it was a first of its kind sort of thing um Mm. Which I guess mm-hmm. is maybe contributes to my screw it, and that it just feels kind of uh, non-essential, and that Netflix well, has Netflix has improved upon that formula in recent years. Yeah, for sure. But the the big problem with Splatter as a choose your own adventure thing, I mean, it, that's a gimmick, and it's a gimmick to get people on the website and to keep up with the web series week to week, yeah. and it doesn't really serve the story at all, and it's a bad experience because when you have a choose your own adventure sort of story. In my mind, the measure of it is like, do the choices I make have some sort of consequence? Am I right. am I actually guiding the story at all? In which this is just it's it's three death scenes, and you basically get to choose the order you watch them in. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Yeah. Right, and the story ends the same way no matter what, just with a different character at the end. Like you said, Chris, right. it's like it seems to be the same exact dialogue in that scene no matter who's there. So there really is no weight to your decisions. Right. I love these I love stories and games where it's like at the end you could have six people alive or at the end everyone could be dead based on the decisions you made along the way. That's the good shit. I uh, I was obsessed with a, a computer game, although I think my copy was bugged out, so I never got very far, but I owned the strategy guide for it, and I, it, I wait, read that. Bugged out, or was it jammed? <laughs> <laughs> I, I read the strategy guide for this like all the time. It was called Dracula Unleashed, and it was a full motion video game. What does that mean? A full motion video game is a is is kind of like a point and click adventure game, but it uses full motion video, like exclusively to drive the story. Basically, what is that? What does full motion video mean? I video. guess video. Oh, video. Okay, yeah, yeah it's actual I, I mean, people, the, but it looks like kind in of like digitized. Nineteen ninety five. There was a there was a there was a distinct, distinct yes. distinction. Um, I remember those Oregon Trail yeah. three or some version of Oregon Trail sure. was kind of like that. I think. Um, but, but Dracula Unleashed was like a direct sequel to Dracula and you, you played, uh, uh, boy, Quincy Morris's brother, Arthur in, in London, trying to figure out what happened to his brother. And it was, it was a great narrative, but, um, I never got very far because it was bugged out. And every time I went to the guy's house at the wrong hour, I would get killed by the blue for lady. It sounds kind of like the video game adaptation of The Wind a little bit, as far as being bugged out. (laughs) (laughs) That was an experience. (laughs) Did you not play that, Chris? I didn't play that. Oh, okay. I never played... Oh, wow. I didn't play it for long. I played it for like 90 seconds. Well, our our potential future games correspondent, Kyle, figured it out instantly. Patrick and I are just dumb as fuck, apparently. (laughs) Like, couldn't do anything in that game. (laughs) <laughs> all right well, what are we watching next time yeah, yeah speaking of choose your own adventures let's let the wheel choose our next one for us exactly yeah, let's now, give up control this time mm-hmm. all right so we we have loaded every horror title on netflix into a mega cyber wheel of death and we're gonna spin it and let it decide what we're watching for the next episode but now i did there is a lot of of like studio movies on netflix right now i think more so than usual so i'm hoping we get something weird because we've been you know we need to course correct a little bit but uh let's see we'll we'll give her a spin it's going we are gonna watch the seventh day Hmm. okay so i remember there was a arnold oh it looks like priests again it looks like exorcism again oh boy there was an arnold schwarzenegger movie called the sixth day Right. I wish we were watching that. God yeah, damn, that movie goes so hard. Have you seen that? No, I heard of it. Oh man, that movie gave me because that's got that, some Satan that movie shit existentially in there, right? terrified. No, 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 no. no? That, you're thinking of End of Days. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay, I did see that. Yeah, one. No, no. The Sixth Day is a is about a, a, a cloning, and 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 Arnold Arnold suspects that someone has cloned him, and his clone is living with his wife. <laughs> right. I remember the poster now because he's got like a machine around his face or something. Like yeah. it just kind of uh, evokes the Man, concept that, of I, that movie that movie's so sick. Cause cause the, the 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 premise it was kind of existentially terrifying to me because it was kind of like well I assume we've we've all seen the prestige yeah. in here. 
All right. Well, similar to the prestige, the, the sixth day supposes that you can clone somebody and that clone will have all of the memories and experiences and think they're the original guy, mm. um, even though they're a clone. And, and so the big like twist halfway through the sixth day is Arnold Schwarzenegger decide, realizes that a clone's not living with his wife. He's the clone. And then he has to go against revenge against the cloning company. But I remember there's a big climax where he's like trying to kill the the bad guy and the bad guy keeps like going over and cloning himself. And of course the, the man who does the cloning is going to die. He's going to be dead. His experience ends, but there's going to be another clone that is like, ha ha, I escaped and I'm still alive and right. has the same experience. And that's a really interesting concept for me to get my head around. And it kind of makes me think about what life will be like in the coming age where we can upload our consciousness to a computer. And I mean, I mean, my consciousness as I know it currently will cease to exist. But if I'm in a computer that has copied all my memories and feelings, well, is that a way to cheat death? Well, let's back up for a second. Think about, (laughs) did you, did you spoil the entirety of the sixth day or no? Um, I mean, mostly. Oh, Okay. I was kind of, I was kind of looking forward to watching it. But well, I, mean, I didn't tell you what happens. I mean, I told, I told you, I told you one major plot point. No, I would say I did not spoil the whole okay, thing. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, you can still watch that. All right. So the seventh day, though. Yeah, give me topic. the logline. Let's hear it. Oh well, well. First, let me tell you, friend, that the cast includes Guy Pierce oh. and Stephen Lang. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jackpot cast. Jackpot cast. An inexperienced priest teams up with a hardened exorcist. Stephen Lang is gonna play a hardened exorcist? I hope so. Holy shit. An inexperienced priest teams up with a hardened exorcist to stop the demonic possession of a young boy, but darkness lies where they least expect it. Oh, this is like brand new. 2021. You're right. Damn. Is it an M film? Gotta no. be. No? Nope. Oh. All right. Well, that'll be in two weeks. We will be back to discuss the seventh day. All right. Well, that was a fun rip roaring and uh tangent filled discussion, guys. Looking forward to another one in a couple of weeks with the seventh day for every horror movie on Netflix. As always, I'm Steven. I'm Chris. And I'm Patrick. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.